Pastor Tim, if you have your Bible, would you please turn to the book of uh, Jonah? Let me say why you're turning. Uh, thank you for your prayers. Um, last uh, uh, couple of weeks, three weeks, I uh, was in South Africa, down in uh, Mozambique and in Zimbabwe, and the Lord uh, really is blessing in that country that is closed to missionaries. Zimbabwe, there are no missionaries uh, in Zimbabwe. He has uh, run them all out. Uh, the uh, Southern Baptists are out. The uh, hospitals are out. Their uh, seminaries are out. And um, thank God for the privilege to be able to go in. We have four graduates, uh, graduates of Calvary Baptist Bible College down who are nationals, who are in Zimbabwe, who are uh, pastoring, starting a school there. And I want you to pray for the Joves, uh, J-N-O-V, Friday Jove. And by the way, his dad's name was um, uh, Gideon Jove. And I met Gideon years ago down in uh, Brother uh, Crawford. We met him down in the uh, Caribbean. He was hiding. Uh, the government was going to kill him. And Brother Johnny Daniels brought him over and kept him in hiding for a year and a half. And he said to me, he said, you know, I have uh, known you for several years from here up. I said, what? He said, I've known you from here up. I said, what, what are you talking about? He said, well, the Frontline Magazine. He said, that's, I've seen your picture in the Frontline Magazine, and that's the, all the Sunday school literature that we have, and we take the Frontline Magazine all around to all of our churches, uh, and we use that uh, to teach them the doctrines uh, of the Bible. And I thought, well, you know, really, whenever he said that, I really thought, now, come on. You know good and well there's Sunday school literature in Zimbabwe. No, there isn't. No fundamental literature. No publishing houses. No Bibles. No Bible. Uh, no Bible. There's no Bible publishing companies in Zimbabwe. There's no publishing, fundamental publishing companies in Zimbabwe. No good music in Zimbabwe. And my heart ached whenever I saw uh, those young people. Uh, the average, uh, the average uh, lifespan in Zimbabwe is 37 to 40. That's the high average lifespan. While I was there, it was 10,000 people that died, most of them without Jesus Christ. What a, what, uh, the crown jewel of Southern Africa, Rhodesia, now has become a death pot for the precious people of Zimbabwe under a cruel regime of a dictatorship under the disguise of a democracy. And I want you to pray. Uh, my heart, my, I'm not, uh, please pray. We were there um, and there's nothing, you, folk, there's nothing, uh, the grocery stores are empty, not a thing in the shelves, nothing. No water. We had to drive seven and a half hours over into Botswana just to get water to drink and bring it back, 10 gallons of water. The people, uh, they, uh, they're, they're, they're hungry. They're starving physically. Uh, uh, when it comes to hygiene, forget it. Forget it. There's, you can't stay clean. My, I had such a, such a, uh, a, a, a problem controlling my emotions, seeing people literally starving to death. 
The only places that were filled was pubs and rum shops and banks. I don't care how much money you got in the bank, you can't get it out but $20 a day. And they're lined up all day and all night to try to get out enough money to where the government controls the banks. And what a, what a, what a burden it is for us to have four graduates who are well qualified, two have their masters, two have their uh, BSs, and we're starting a Bible college there in uh, uh, Kadoma, uh, Africa, about three and a half miles or three and a half hours south of the capital city. So you pray. I was in, um, uh, I was in my wife and I, by the way, she's uh, recuperating tonight. We didn't get into late last night. I've been up in, um, uh, in, in Alaska this last week. We were, uh, you get to Seattle, you're halfway, okay? Uh, and, but we were up in Alaska uh, to the, in the Eskimo uh, village uh, ministering to the Indians. That's where my burden is. I want to get the Word of God to those that have, uh, don't have the Word of God. And folk, there's no Bibles in Zimbabwe. No Bibles. No Bibles. Out of over 300, I said, how many Bibles do we have tonight? Three old worn out Bibles. Whenever they came, they came to the altar weeping 25 and under. I said, how many people are over 60? Uh, uh, there was none over 60. I was the old, I was the old man there. I said, how many is under uh, over 55? Three and uh, there were six, but three of them was uh, our own uh, fellows with, with me. And most of them were 25 and under. And to see all those 25, 26, 25, 18, 19, 20-year-olds come to the altar, uh, streams of tears running down their cheeks, uh, wanting God to move in their land and give them revival and help them. I was so burdened. I told my wife, I said, I'm committing myself for 500 Bibles. She said, Rod Bell, where are you going to get 500 Bibles? I said, I don't know. God's got it. Last not, night before last, a little guy with wrinkled up hands put a check in my hand for $5,000 in a little church, less than 50 people for Bibles for Zimbabwe. Don't tell me God's not on the throne. Don't tell me God can't answer prayer. Don't tell me God doesn't want to get the Word of God to people that never heard and has never, doesn't have the Bible. Folk, we've got, I have 8, 10, 10, 15, 20 Bibles in my home. And I sit down to a good meal that's clean. I sit down to a good meal and I can't keep from weeping. Oh, that's not my subject tonight. My Pastor Benny gave me orders. He's not here though, is he? <laughs> Y'all won't tell him, will you? Folk, I have such a burden for Zimbabwe. I have a burden. We're going to start a school. We're starting a school. We are starting a school. And, and, and we have the teachers already there. They're nationals. He can't keep them out. He can't deport them. And we're going to start a school by the grace of God. Pray that I live at least two more years so I can go back and dedicate that building. We're going to build a building. Yeah, by the grace. I can see it. I can see it. We already got an architect. We got the plans get drawn up. I got a call today and said, we need $1,800 for the architect. I said, well, be, tell him to go ahead. We'll get it in the mail. I don't know where we're going to get it. But you know something? God ain't broke. I believe that. Don't you believe that? Say amen. 
Thank you for the amen, the holy grunt. I, I, I believe God's able. God's able to supply. God's in the prayer answering business. Uh, Jonah. Turn with me to the book of Jonah. I got to, uh, I got to do what my pastor said to do. By the way, pray for, uh, pray for Pastor uh, Benny. Uh, and uh, I pray for him every morning at 5 o'clock. I pray for uh, Pastor Vaughn every morning at 5 o'clock. I pray for the pastoral staff every morning at 5 o'clock. I pray for my church every morning. I, every morning, listen, God's wanting to do something in our church, folk. God is moving. God's will is going to be done. Please continue to pray and hold on to God. Jonah, revival. I want to talk to you about revival. The revival at uh, Nineveh. Somebody said to me that there never has been a revival without prayer. I said that one time. And the guy came up to me and said, oh yeah, what about Nineveh? I said, what do you think Jonah was doing in the, in the whale's belly? Playing checkers? He was praying, brother. Jonah was praying. Listen, prayer not only is the fruit of revival, it is the root of revival. You see, listen, revival. God is sovereign. Let me, and I've said this before, and I want to say it again. God is sovereign. And when I say God is sovereign, I simply mean that God can do anything he wants to do, any way he wants to do, any how he wants to do. God has a plan. He's working his plan, and he will complete his plan. God is sovereign. And the sovereignty of God, don't be afraid of that. The sovereignty of God and the responsibility of man never cross, never clash. God is sovereign. Man is responsible. Now, I can't put them together, and neither can you. We'll leave that up to God. Secret things belong unto the Lord, Deuteronomy 29, 29 says. So I just leave that with him. And some things belong. So God is sovereign. Man is responsible. Well, you said if God's sovereign, then God will send revival. No, man's responsible. You see, God created man under the condition that he obey him. When he put him in the Garden of Eden, he said, you can eat of all the trees of the garden except the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. But don't you touch the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. You obey me. Man disobeyed. Man sinned and ate of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. So man is responsible to obey. God created us on the condition that we obey him. Now God in his great redemptive plan and his wisdom has so limited himself to do his redemptive work through the obedience of man. In other words, God said, if you will pray, I will answer thee. Call upon me. God said, if my people which are called by my name shall humble themselves and pray, I will. God said, if you will, I will. Give, and it shall be given unto you. 
responsibility of man. Call, and I will answer thee. God expects man to be obedient, and God works through the obedience of man. And we have not because we ask not. And God wants an obedient people that he can work through. And God said, give, and what? It shall be given unto you. Ask, and you shall receive. So God is sovereign, and man is responsible. Now, in the book of Jonah, we see one of the greatest revivals in the Old Testament. I'll never forget whenever revival came to Tabernacle. And by the way, Bob, uh, we have supported you for years at Tabernacle, and they still support you and love you and appreciate you. Thank God for the work you're doing. When revival came at Tabernacle, I cannot believe, uh, I, can, I don't know of anyone that did not, that was faithful, that did not have family altar, who we coordinated our Sunday school and our frontline clubs and our, uh, our Wana clubs, whatever we had it, I think it was Wana at that time, Wana clubs. And uh, we had uh, uh, our young people. We, uh, a Sunday school, and our school, we, uh, and our church, we had coordinated every ministry with a passage of Scripture, and we wrote the family altar devotional for the family. And the church all was on the same sheet of music. And we would take role at school. Yes, no. Yes, we had our family altar. Yes, Dad did at our family altar. Or we wouldn't, it was a yes or no. No, if I got three no's, I called them in and said to the dad, what's going on here? We put it in one end, you'd let it pour out the other end. Our school is an extension of your uh, our, of God the Christian home. And there was a great revival came because God's people were obedient to the Word of God. Now, I want you to look at Jonah. And it says in verse 1, Now the Word of the Lord. There's no revival without the Word of God. You believe the Word of God. The Word of God. And the word of the Lord came unto Jonah. Well, of course, you know, it told Jonah to go and cry, go to Nineveh and the great city and cry against it. For this wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah rose and went to Tarsus. He was disobedient. <laughs> he just went in the opposite direction, probably to Spain. He went in the opposite direction of Nineveh. And of course, he went through Whale College. <laughs> Whenever he, he got his diploma. The Bible says in verse 2, And Jonah prayed. I'll tell you what, if you get through Whale College, you will pray. Now notice two elements. The Word of God in revival and prayer. The Word of God and prayer. Obedience to the Word of God. Well, Jonah was disobedient. And that's the reason we don't have revival today is because God's people are disobedient. God's preachers are disobedient. We just don't obey the Word of God. 
But look in verse chapter 3. And the word of the Lord came unto Jonah the second time, saying, Arise. God's word doesn't change, does it? The second time, the word of the Lord. Now, preach unto this uh, uh, Nineveh, arise and go into Nineveh, that great city, and preach unto it, and it, the preaching that I bid thee. Do what I told you to do to start with. Just obey me. Obey. How many times have we heard our pastor say, no matter what the circumstances are, trust and obey. Trust and obey. There's no other way but to trust and obey. The word of the Lord, he disobeyed, and then he obeyed the word of God. And the people, and he preached. So Jonah, verse 3, arose and went unto Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. And now Nineveh was an exceeding great city, the largest city, 600,000, probably 120,000 uh, children. But uh, a three days journey. And Jonah began, uh, began to enter into the city a day's journey and cried and said, yet 40 days and Nineveh will be overthrown. Now, what was his message? Judgment. What is the missing note in our fundamental Bible-believing preaching today? Judgment. Judgment. Why was it that Whitfield was, had rotten eggs and rotten... Uh, animals and excrements and, and filth thrown at him, and his gown was covered because he preached judgment. What brought revival in 1859? Judgment. What brought revival under uh, Jonathan Edwards? Sinners in the hands of an angry God. Judgment. The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. What is the missing ingredients? See, we want to be popular and accepted. Do you know the greatest hellfire and brimstone preacher in the New Testament? Not John the Baptist. Not the apostles. But our blessed Lord, the meek and holy Nazarene, was the greatest hellfire and brimstone preacher that ever lived. He preached more about hell than any other living man. He gave some of the most gruesome illustrations that we have ever heard. In Mark chapter 9, he talked about cutting your hand off, cutting your foot off, punch out your eyes. If they offend you, this is our Lord. How long has it been since you heard a message on hell? How long has it been since we heard a rich man cry, send Lazarus? How long has it been since a preacher uncapped the fiery pit of hell and let us look down into the pit of hell and hear the cry of the lost, lost, lost beyond the reach of the love of God in the belling, bubbling, melting, burning fires of the brimstone of hell? That's not popular. We want people to like us. We need to follow the example of our Lord. Jonah said, your city's going to be overthrown. God's going to judge your city. Now, you think of this. We put our life in the... When we went into Zimbabwe, we were constantly um, 
under scrutiny of these intelligent agencies. Everywhere we went, everything we said, every restaurant we went in, uh, 17 roadblocks we had to buy our way through. We had to pay money, American dollars. Uh, we were under the scrutiny. You think of going into the capital city of that city and preach that God's going to judge this city. God's going to cause judgment to fall on this city. You know, the missing ingredients for revival is for God's men and women to believe the message that the Lord Jesus preached. And he said that 40 days and I'll overthrow the city. And look at verse 5 of chapter 3. And here is the ingredients for revival. Here it is. Simple. This heathen group of people and the people of Nineveh, what did they do? Believed God. They just believed God and proclaimed, they repented and put on sackcloth and great, the greatness of them, even to the least of them. And the word, for the word came from the king of Nineveh. And he arose from his throne and they laid his robe from him and covered him with sackcloth and set in ashes, and he caught, and this started at the top and came to the bottom. Folk, there was a great national uh, uh, awakening in the 1859s, in the 18, late 1840s, under Dr. Bob Jones, under Doc, uh, Billy Sunday. This nation went dry. I witnessed to a man today, and I can't, he said, I can't believe, and he was an unbeliever. He said, I can't believe, what's happening? What's happening in our country, preacher? I don't understand. What's happening? We had such unity at 9-11. What's happening? Now the world hates us because we want to protect ourselves against extreme Muslims. What's happening? I'll tell you what we need. We need what they need in Zimbabwe. When you don't have the Bible, and whenever there were scores and scores and scores of young people under 25, 26 years of age came to the altar, tears running and streaming down their face. Some of them traveled for two days to get there. They slept, the men slept on the ground. The, the women slept on the floors. Uh, they had, uh, had to take sponge bath. They had a, a wall for the latrine and a ditch dug behind the wall. Sanitation was not in the, uh, hygiene was not the, the best to be expected. But they were hungry for the Word of God. They were hungry for the Word of God. I thought, oh, God. I went, I, this morning when I got up, I looked at my Bibles, and I thought, oh, God. What if we didn't have a Bible? God, what are you going to have to do to our country? What are we going to have? We have everything but the power and the blessings of God. Our God is the golden calf of materialism. 
Our God, we bow at the shrine of pleasure and profit. And we know not what it is to ride a bicycle 200 miles with your wife on the back and a three-month-old baby. 200 miles, and you sleep on the ground, and sleep, sleep on a hard floor on a mat with a little three-month-old baby just to hear the Word of God. What does America need? We need to believe God like the heathen in Nineveh did. And we will see revival. If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves, humble themselves, what is humility? Humility is having the proper evaluation of God. Seeing God for who He really is. Open the eyes of our understanding that we might know God. Have the proper evaluation of who He is. See Him in all of His glory and all of His holiness. Oh, God, open the eyes of our understanding, open our heart that we might see you and know you. Have the proper evaluation of our God. And then we'll have the proper evaluation of ourselves. We see ourselves. Well, God, strip open the, our eyes. Oh, God. Make us naked and open unto the eyes of a holy God that we might see ourselves as thou to see us. Show us our putrefied, putrefying, running, wicked sores of sin and unbelief. Oh, God, help us have the proper evaluation of you, John the Baptist. Who is that coming walking down the road? Behold the Lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world. He saw Jesus as the Lamb of God. He had the proper evaluation. He was the Lamb of God. What was he going to do? Take away the sin of the world. And John said, when he saw him, who he was and what his work was going, to, was going to do. And John said, I'm not, I'm not capable of even unloosing the laces of his shoes. He saw himself when he saw, humble himself. If my people which are called by my name shall humble themselves and what? Pray. Yeah. Pray. Pray. Somebody said, who do you think is going to be elected? I said, I don't know, but whoever we get is who we deserve. God Almighty raises them up, and God takes them down, and I'm praying. I'm not going to sit back idle, but I'm going to pray that God will be merciful. In the midst of judgment, Make thyself known. Remember mercy, oh God, remember mercy. In the midst of judgment, sin revival. So what are the components? The Word of God, prayer, obedience to the Word of God, 
And the people believed God. And God sent a great revival. And over 600,000 souls were saved. Now, folk, you say, oh, that's in the Old Testament, Brother Bell. That is, <laughs> Jesus said, as Jonah was in the whale's belly, even so must the Son of Man be in the heart of the earth for three days. Jesus says he was a real living person. Historically, Jonah was just as real as Rod Bell, as Bob Ellis. Just as real. He was a man, just like me and you. He was obedient. He prayed. The people believed. And God sent revival. You say, too simplistic, Brother Bell. When you believe, you repent. And they turn from their wicked ways. These bunch of heathen Gentiles turned from their wicked ways. I'm praying. I believe God's going to send revival to Zimbabwe. I believe he'll send revival to Zimbabwe. But you know why? The people are hungry. They're hungry for the Word of God. They're so hungry. I preached, and I don't preach short sermons, but I preached for maybe an hour and I preached for an hour and 30, maybe an hour and 15, 20 minutes. That was a short one. <laughs> but anyhow, I preached. And they said, preach more, preach more, preach more. Well, they some of them traveled for two days to get there. And sleeping on the ground, eating, uh, cooking on the, uh, the stove, not a stove, but rocks and a piece of wire, a piece of iron on the back, uh, open fire. Preach more, preach more. So we started at 8 and quit at 11 in the night. Started at 8 in the morning and quit at 11. Well, we had potty breaks <laughs> but along the way, but folk are hungry. They're hungry for the Word of God. And America, we got our can, buddy. We got our can sealed and delivered. We'll never have revival until we throw the clock out the window and trust God and let God move. You see, when revival comes, listen to me. You lose all track of time because you're dealing with eternity. Four and five hours seems like that. Revival. In the presence of our God, we need revival. As Nineveh repented, we need to repent. You say, oh, Brother Bell, we are in the Bible Belt. I don't know of a city anywhere in America that needs revival any more than Greenville, South Carolina. To him that much is given, much is required. Heavenly Father, Send an old-fashioned, old-time 